You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Today, we are going to be talking about decentralization and the pitfalls of centralization, especially centralization of power and authority, but really centralization in general tends to lead to some problems and creates an environment where things are more more vulnerable than they need to be. And so we're going to talk about decentralization specifically as a response and an antidote to the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum's sinister plan to centralize power in the hands of the few at the expense of the many using technology. And not just any technology, but super sophisticated artificial intelligence, robotics, track and trace, panopticon surveillance grid, big brother kind of stuff, the kind of stuff George Orwell never could even dream of. It's happening now. And we're going to talk about how you can push back. Also going to talk briefly about the Greater Reset, which is this initiative, the Freedom Cells Network, myself and Derek, as well as other activists are working on as a public response to the Great Reset. We're going to break down cryptocurrency, food production systems, markets, economies, uh, alternative means of social governance, lots of big stuff. I know there's a whole lot of craziness going on in the world today, and I want everyone to remember that we don't have to simply be idle passengers or non-playable characters when it comes to how this world will be shaped. We need to snap out of the victim mentality and out of the frozen state of inaction and step into our power as free, beautiful human beings so we can play a major role in shifting things away from the old archaic institutions of control, hierarchy, despair, manipulation, deceit, and into a whole new paradigm where human beings are able to interact with one another in a harmonious way and where human beings are able to coexist with Earth and all of the beautiful creatures on this planet in a harmonious way. I do genuinely believe that we are at a crossroads and it's more important than ever that we step up and step into our power. Again, you're listening to the Live Free Now show. You can find more at livefreenow.show, livefreenow.show. I've been doing a whole lot of guest interviews, so this will be the first time in a while that I'm doing a little rant freestyle here for about an hour or so. Uh, I invite you to sign up for our newsletter at livefreenow.show, livefreenow.show, so we can stay in touch with you. Also, subscribe to the RSS feed. We also do a podcast. I want to shout out the podcast audience that's listening after the fact, and also shout out everyone that's watching on YouTube, Facebook, Float, and DLive. Had some great interviews recently. We talked to Dr. Andrew Kaufman about COVID, about germ theory, Richard Gage we talked to, Roger Ver. Now, interestingly enough, we talked to Richard Gage about 9-11 Truth, and wouldn't you know it, all YouTube 
came and slapped us with this little age restriction here, which is kind of silly. I guess that's what they want to do to make it harder for people to access this content. But I don't think there's like six-year-olds and seven-year-olds that are watching it anyway. But I digress. And before we go any further, folks, let me shout out one of our sponsors, Brave Botanicals, mybravebotanicals.com, where we just recently started selling Delta 8 THC buds. So we sell the buds. We sell the vape pen, Indica and Sativa, Delta 8 THC. And we also sell these little gummies. They're super cool, 25 milligram, awesome, Delta 8 THC. We're doing a special right now, Crypto Christmas. If you pay with cryptocurrency, you get 20% off. Again, that's mybravebotanicals.com, mybravebotanicals.com. Delta 8 THC is legal federally. I can ship it to 39 states, can't ship it to 11. Check out the website, mybravebotanicals.com. Click on the CBD THC menu item, and you'll be able to see if your state is eligible for me to ship it to. Great stuff. It's not as hardcore as the Delta 9 THC everyone's used to, but it's definitely a lot more potent and uh, changes your state more than the CBD. So again, that's Delta 8 THC at mybraybotanicals.com in flower, vape, and gummies. And the gummies are great. Okay, so let's just get right down to it. Oh, one more thing. I, I should say throughout this broadcast, I'm going to be dropping little freebies, little Bitcoin cash freebies. Bitcoin Cash, BCH, is the hard fork away from Bitcoin. Uh, arguably, it's more decentralized, I guess. Uh, we're going to talk about cryptocurrency in detail, but BCH is a hard fork that has a bigger block size than the Bitcoin blockchain, which means more transactions can be sent with each block. A block is the collection of transactions that took place previously. It's added to this decentralized distributed blockchain. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bloat and congestion on the Bitcoin network, whereby the transaction fees are like 2 to $3. This isn't very practical if you want to use it as an everyday currency. Perhaps it's practical as a digital gold or a store of value in the face of inflation. But BCH is an alternative that people can use more effectively in commerce. And so because you are tuned in today, I am going to drop some BCH on you. In fact, I'm going to do that right now. I want to thank Roger Ver and Bitcoin.com, Roger Ver and Bitcoin.com for hooking me up with a nice little stash of BCH during our interview. This one is going to be going to the folks that are tuned in on the Conscious Resistance Facebook page, on my personal Facebook page, on the Agorism Facebook page, the Freedom Cells Facebook page. So if you're not ready, without further ado, the first person to hit this link right here and import this private key into your BCH wallet We'll get $5 worth of Bitcoin cash. Again, that's $5 worth of Bitcoin cash. And don't you worry, podcast audience. I'll include one in the description. It may already be snagged by now, but there it goes, ladies and gentlemen. You just open that up. You got to have a Bitcoin cash wallet that'll be able to scan a private key, sweep a private key, and then you'll be in business. All right, so let's get right down to it. Let's just start by teaching people, if they're not familiar, with what the Great Reset is. I'd appreciate it, too, if you actually snag that $5 worth of BCH if you post in the comments so we can highlight that. We are going to be taking your comments during the program as well. So thanks again for everyone that's tuned in. So what is the Great Reset? What's it all about? Should we be concerned? Should we be applauding it? Should we be celebrating the fact that there's this crazy Great Reset going on? Well, it's actually pretty bad news, unfortunately, the Great Reset. It is uh, the brainchild of a gentleman named Klaus Schwab. 
and my name is Klaus Schwab, and together we must remake the world, reset after the ills of the 20th century. It is time for us to come together with the fourth industrial revolution, which is the merging of man and technology. Never before done in the history of mankind, we'll be able to track and trace and control every single living being on Earth. Not just the humans, but the animals and the biodiversity. We'll work with Bill Gates and his planetary supercomputer. It's my Klaus Schwab impersonation. It's actually not even that far off. Um, all right, so the World Economic Forum has been around for quite some time. I believe it was founded by this guy, Klaus Schwab. And he's also the steering on the steering committee for the Bilderberg Group, which is another one of these Illuminati... Um, I mean, it's not the actual Illuminati, but it's one of these globalist groups, one of these control paradigm groups uh, that aim to create a global technocratic totalitarian government. And the implication, this has been in the works for quite some time with various roundtable and secret society groups, but the technology is now present where these folks can do some serious damage and they have done quite a bit of damage. So let's check out the World Economic Forum's website here. They meet every year in Davos, Switzerland. And the World Economic Forum, you, you know, to even be a part of it, you have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to be a member. It's the International Organization for Public-Private Cooperation. So essentially, these are like mega banks, mega corporations, mega influencers that are working together to reshape the world. And more recently, they launched what they're calling the Great Reset Initiative. So you can just look up Great Reset. And of course, the first thing that pops up I'm using Google just for the purpose of seeing what's going on with the mainstream world. The first thing that pops up, of course, is the World Economic Forum's website. There is an urgent need for global stakeholders to cooperate in simultaneously managing the direct consequences of the COVID-19 crisis. To improve the state of the world, the World Economic Forum is starting the Great Reset Initiative. Now, they've been pushing this kind of stuff since before COVID-19 popped off. And when COVID-19 came to fruition... Whether it was organic or it came from a lab in Wuhan, uh, they really accelerated their plans and seized it as an opportunity to further this program, the Great Reset. Essentially, like James Corbett points out, the Great Reset is like a sophisticated marketing campaign, a repackaging, a repurposing of the whole New World Order agenda and philosophy, whereby people don't own property, whereby there is a strong global centralized government that's managed by regional governments like the EU or North American Union or Asia Pacific Union. And essentially, utilizing technology, that's a huge part of the Great Reset. It was always a part of the whole global governance agenda, but now it's even more so come to the forefront with the advent and acceleration of technology. There's a component of the Great Reset called the Fourth Industrial Revolution which essentially is the merging of biology and technology, right? It's not just humans and technology with like transhumanism, artificial intelligence, robotics and stuff. It's biology in all living things on earth. In fact, as I mentioned earlier in my little Klaus Schwab uh, impersonation, Microsoft is actually working on a planetary computer, they're working on a planetary computer where they literally want to track, trace, and analyze every single bit of living stuff on Earth, all the biodiversity. It's all done under the name of biodiversity, right, which is important. 
Willow here says we probably need a reset, but not like that. And he's absolutely correct, which is why we're calling for a greater reset. I should say just a quick little plug for that. You can go to greaterreset.net, greaterreset.net. This is our response to the great reset. We are hoping to inspire people and encourage people to focus on permaculture and decentralization and all this good stuff instead of what the what the Klaus Schwab's of the world and the British royal family want us to do. But this fourth industrial revolution stuff, it's all about tracking, controlling, tracing. It's really creepy stuff. And I always point to this article in order to demonstrate what I'm talking about when it comes to the Great Reset because it it really says a lot. This was published on in Forbes magazine. It was also it's also on the World Economic Forum's website. All right, I'll link to this in the show notes as well. Let me drop it on you for those of you that are watching here, uh, that are watching online. Quick shout out to the audience on DLive as well. I'm, I'm always especially uh, grateful for the folks that are watching on DLive and Float because it's not YouTube, it's not Facebook. We can be censored on all of these channels. So shout out to those of us, those of you guys that are watching there on, uh, on DLive. All right, so this is the article. I just shared it there in the notes. Here's how life could change in my city by the year 2030. You know, they just changed the title of this, actually. The title's been changed. It used to be, Welcome to 2030, I Own Nothing, Have No Privacy, and Life Has Never Been Better. Something like that. That was the title. Now they changed it to, Here's How Life Could Change in My City by the Year 2030. You see, because there's a lot of folks in the alternative media that are covering this article, and now they're covering their tracks. And if you notice, the date on this article is November 11th, 2016. You see, this is before COVID. This is before this whole philosophy strategy marketing campaign has been has been come to has come to be known as the Great Reset. So check this out. Oh, they have an author's note now. Some people have read this blog as my utopia or dream of the future. It is not. It is a scenario showing where we could be heading for better and for worse. I wrote this piece to start a discussion about some of the pros and cons of the current technological development. When we are dealing with the future, it's not enough to work with reports. We should start discussions in many new ways. This is the intention with this piece. This author's note thing is newer too. So check it out. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say our city in air quotes for the audience? That's what it says for the podcast audience. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. It might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free, so it ended up not making much sense for us to own much. This is the picture that they are trying to paint for the future. They want to do away with shopping. They want to do away with private property. They want to do away with privacy, right? There's a section down here which really resonates with me. It says, they live different kinds of lives outside the city. My biggest concern is all the people who do not live in our city, those we lost on the way, those who decided that it became too much, all this technology, those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over big parts of our jobs, those who got upset with the political system and turned against it. They live different kinds of lives outside of the city. Some have formed little self-supplying communities. Others just stayed in the empty and abandoned houses in small 19th century villages. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy, nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere everything I do, think and dream of is recorded. I just hope that nobody will use it against me. And that's not even like a far-fetched kind of deal, the idea of 
what I dream of and I think being recorded, right? We already have Elon Musk, love him or hate him, with the Neuralink technology. I saw recently there's like this uh, this wave of energy that can input music into your heads. And of course, the technology, they say it's developed for music and entertainment and pleasure. Uh, but that would be a wonderful tool for mind control and manipulation. And there's already speculation that the harp machine can do stuff like that. So this is the kind of picture. I like to see this marketing as like a desens desensitization as a uh, preparation, putting it out there so that when it comes about, it doesn't seem so far-fetched because people have been hearing about it all the time and people have been talking about it all the time. And, oh, we see that in the movies all the time. It's nothing crazy. Desensitization. Uh, no joke. And so this is really what's going down. And it's not as though this is a far-fetched conspiracy theory. The, the reality of what we're facing is that the Great Reset is already being rolled out and ushered in. I did an interview with a woman named Julianne Romanello a little while back. You can find it on livefreenow.show. She was a former professor at the University of Tulsa, and she discovered all this weird language that they started using in their, their school in the university and all these shifts. And she came to find that there are some very powerful tax-exempt foundations that are doing what's called impact investing, where they invest tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in the city, in the industry, in the school system. They have what's called a P20 pipeline, preschool to PhD pipeline, where they invest all this money and it's called pay for success. So they have these outcome-based success payments that take place and they invest a bunch of money in industry and childhood education with the understanding that that money, that investment is going to its seeds that they're planting. It's going to bloom and sprout into a workforce that will fill the new industries of the fourth industrial revolution, AI, robotics, drones, biomedical technology. And this is all taking place right now. It's been taking place for quite some time. It's been a frog in the boiling pot type transition, but it's accelerated rapidly. And now we see that it's coming out into the open, right? There's all this like talk of like the, one of these Satanist tools is that they have to do it through, uh, do it in the open and have to make their intentions clear, right? Like the Georgia Guidestones, for example. And so we see that this is all being accelerated and the World Economic Forum's Great Reset is just one iteration of what I like to call the New World Order 2.0. And so the Great Reset, they're officially going to have a formal launch on January 25th through the 29th. Uh, that's when they're going to be in Davos, Switzerland, and they're going to be covering a variety of different topics. And so uh, that's going to come up. We're going to be covering that when we do our greater reset. And as you can see, the greater reset will be taking place January 25th through the 29th as well. I think probably 6 to 9 p.m. So what we want to present at the greater reset is an alternative way to change things, right? Because we all agree that things need to change. Before I go any further, I'm going to drop some BCH there on the DLive audience. Hey, DLive, let me know you can hear you. Let me know if you can hear me. Do you want free BCH? That's one of the perks of watching the program live. And like I said, for the podcast audience, I'll be dropping some BCH on you as well. But somebody's going to get it. The first person that checks in the notes there, the show notes, is probably already going to have claimed it by the time this already comes through. All right, so we're dropping some free BCH, Bitcoin Cash. You can go to Bitcoin.com and download a wallet there. 
bitcoin.com bch stick around towards the end of the program guys i got five more dollars worth of bch to drop on you again you need to have a bitcoin cash wallet and then you can sweep the private key you can scan the private key so again i got one more of those if i start to wrap up the show uh make sure you comment and remind me to drop that bch it'll 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 be coming soon so what we want to do with the with the greater reset is present an alternative a uh present a different plan, a different approach to resetting things, right? And one of the big staples, one of the big values of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset, as well as the Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, these tax-exempt foundations, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, what they're all about is centralizing power and centralizing authority. Away from the individual, at the small grassroots local community level and all the way up to the top with supranational governmental agencies, right? We saw this with the United Nations before the attempt with Woodrow Wilson was for the League of Nations, right? And of course, Woodrow Wilson was essentially handpicked and hand-selected by the insiders. He even had who they called Woodrow's brain, uh, what's his name? Phil, the Philip Drew administrator was written by, oh, somebody, uh, somebody help me out here. Woodrow Wilson's most, Edward Mandel House, right? So this guy named Edward Mandel House, he was a total insider with these secret society roundtable groups. And he essentially was the puppet master for Woodrow Wilson, who after World War I wanted to create the League of Nations. There wasn't a whole lot of buy-in from the American people. They needed a bigger war, right? Problem, reaction, solution. So after World War II, they were able to successfully create the United Nations. And of course, the United Nations headquarters in New York City, who owned the property and helped to build the, the building that was there, none other than David Rockefeller, who's one of these consummate insiders. And so this whole time, these institutions, the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund, the uh, International Criminal Court, all of these institutions are creating centralization of authority, right? And then you have like these other roundtable groups like the Club of Rome, for example, and the Bilderberg Group, which also meets annually, very similar to the World Economic Forum. They too they played a major role in the rollout of the European Union, which is yet another example of centralization, right? Now, everybody has been numb to it because we were born in the United States of America. But really, when you think about it, the United States of America is pretty damn centralized as well, right? It's actually a pretty significant empire. Now, mind you, it started off as 13 colonies right there in the Northeast Coast, right? And then Manifest Destiny over the 19th century spread out all the way across the West. And then they had to go and conquer Hawaii, Guam, Puerto Rico, now, fast forward, there's this guy, Chalmers Johnson, who wrote this book, The Empire of Bases, I learned a lot when I was anti-war guy against the Iraq and Afghanistan war. There's a financial empire as well with the Bretton Woods Agreement. Everyone agrees that the U.S. dollar is going to be part of the world reserve currency. I should say the Great Reset is pushing for a new Bretton Woods Agreement, which where they're probably going to abandon the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency and instead institute some sort of uh, special drawing rights or some sort of centralized blockchain-based digital currency. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency and the anomaly and the paradox that it is and that it's simultaneously liberating and it's being used for enslavement in the fourth industrial revolution at the same time. But this centralization of authority when it comes to governance 
has led to a lot of division, a lot of fighting, a lot of control. Uh, it has hindered the ability for humans to progress uh, and to advance, right? And to get along and to innovate. I mean, just think about it. We are experiencing so much division and infighting. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say we so much because like, I don't have a skin in the game. I'm, I don't like Trump or Biden, although I would prefer Trump to Biden. Just throwing that out there. Um, but there's families that are totally torn apart. And there's people that are pissed off. There's people that are rioting in the streets. There's people that are arming themselves with AK-47s and AR-14s and military militia gear and storming Capitol buildings, right? And a lot of this has to do with the fact that it's such a vast geographic area and it's controlled by such a small group of people, such a vast centralized area, all right? There's this principle that came out of the Catholic Church called the principle of subsidiarity. The principle of subsidiarity, which essentially means that authority should be uh, vested at the most local level. And this is what they had within their church, right? Of course, the Catholic Church has all sorts of its own problems. Um, but the principle still is a good sound principle. Uh, some would call it localization. I like to call it decentralization. And when you can remove that authority from the centralized Washington, D.C., for example, and you can bring it down to the local neighborhood, to the local community, to the city-state even, then you are able to get closer connected to the rule makers, right? So we can have a half measure, a half step where there's decentralization. Perhaps there's states that secede. Perhaps Texas secedes. Perhaps there's a regional conglomeration of states that secede and have their own type of regional governance. This is all preferable to the centralized federalist system that we have. Although ultimately what the ultimate preference for free people should be is to decentralize and localize all the way to the individual level, allowing those individuals to consensually enter into relationships with other human beings and individuals so as to help organize themselves better and fulfill their wants and needs. A lot of this stuff can take place through market action, right? The anarcho-capitalists and the agorists believe that if we just allow a free market to exist, a freed market, then individuals, businesses, groups, families can peaceably interact with one another, exchanging value, doing so in a mutually beneficial, voluntary way, and through spontaneous order and the invisible hand, as they call it, beautiful things can happen, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, to decentralize is much preferable than having a centralized system. And early on in this country's history, it what? So there's this tension that I have in my own head because it's like some people are like it was supposed to be this great federalist system, right? With the 10th Amendment to the Constitution, which says those powers not delegated to the federal government are left to the states, right? And the Ninth Amendment's kind of like the powers that aren't in here are left for people. But I don't know necessarily that that was the intention the whole time. We have to understand that the folks that fought the American Revolution and signed the Declaration of Independence, it's not the exact same group of people that created the Constitution in 1789. And that constitutional convention was actually a constitutional coup d'etat because in order to amend the Articles of Confederation, they needed unanimous consent. And that's not what happened. They never were having that constitutional convention to throw out the Articles of Confederation and institute an entirely new government. They wanted to amend the Articles of Confederation. Instead, they created this really powerful central government with the taxing clause and the interstate commerce clause and everything in Article 1, Section 8, that Congress has all sorts of powers. And even though the executive branch seemed really impotent at the time, 
even when George Washington was in office, right? Everyone, hold, oh, George Washington was a hero. He decided that they should have term limits and he didn't want to be a king, right? Oh, we love him. We love him. But sure enough, in his first term at the behest of Alexander Hamilton, his secretary of treasury, I believe, he called forth the militia to suppress insurrections, which is constitutional in the U.S. Constitution. I think it's Article 1, Section 10. He called forth the militia to suppress the whiskey rebels, right? Because they were brewing, they were... uh what the hell do you call it? They were making their own whiskey in the Appalachian Mountains. They were using it as a currency also. And so old George Washington came and cracked down, right? Just a little bit of history. But the way that people think it was supposed to work was a system of federalism where you have a, a limited number of powers, enumerated powers that the central government has and everything else is left to the states. But as we know, as Lord Acton said, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. That central government, that central authority has since usurped significant amounts of power and now is like, like a drunken sailor. And this recent Almost trillion dollar stimulus package is total evidence of all that with all the money and sweetheart deals and pork going everywhere. It's a total boondoggle. And the more centralized of a government, the further away the power and authority, the further away the representatives are from the people, the more opportunity for chicanery, the more you can get away with. Right now, think about like in Chadan, for example, Chadan, Mexico, which is in Michoacan, one of the most violent states in Mexico that's overrun with drug cartels and gangs and corrupt government officials. This little small town of, I think, like approximately 18,000 people in the hills of Michoacan, we went to visit and the elders showed us around. It was such an honor and a privilege to be there with them and community with them. They overthrew their municipal government because the cartel groups and the gangs were coming in and raping their forests, tearing down the trees, taking the trees out, selling the trees, planting avocado plants, terrorizing the people. And they finally said, Basta ya, enough is enough. They threw out the mayor. They overthrew the city government. They ran all of the municipal police out of town. Right. And the municipal police at the time, many of them were from surrounding towns and surrounding communities. Her behind reminds me that distilling was the word I was looking for in reference to whiskey. Distilling is the word of the day. Thank you so much, her behind. And so they kicked out the municipal police and now they have their own, what do you call it? Community, Comunidad Rotunda. They have their own community police force that lives within the community. You see, when you have decentralized authority, decentralized institutions, decentralized systems, decentralized mechanisms of defense, all the way down to the individual that knows how to carry a firearm and use it safely and proficiently in defense of their family and friends, then you have an environment where there's going to be less corruption. There's going to be less chicanery because you have to live with those people. But when we have this centralized system where all of these rules and controls and edicts are being implemented way the hell over in Washington, D.C. I've only been to Washington, D.C. once in my life. It was a terrible visit. Traffic was terrible. Weather was terrible. Smelt like pigs all around. And it wasn't just the cops. It was the corrupt politicians as well. But I don't know those people. Everyone's like worshiping Donald Trump. I don't know Donald Trump. He's nothing like me. I'd like to be a billionaire someday. That'd be pretty sweet. But I don't know Donald Trump. I don't know Joe Biden. I don't know Chip Roy, Republican representative from Texas. These people have nothing to do with me. Never met them. I don't have anything to do with them. But because the power is centralized in a faraway city, it makes it harder to hold those people accountable. Can you change that up and have a decentralized system where even if there's some sort of rulemaking body or there's some council of wise elders or whatever, they're right there in your network, in your neighborhood to meet with you, to chat with you, right? 
was going to save this for later, but one of the solutions that we're going to be offering through the greater reset. And one of the solutions that we've been banging on myself, Derek bros, and many others. Now it's, it's just taken on a life of its own. It's really quite amazing. Actually the freedom cell network freedom cells are small, decentralized peer to peer mutual aid groups of approximately eight people. That's the core, the inner cadre, approximately eight people, which is an optimal number of people to have the maximum amount of creativity you get together with a few of your friends, around eight of your friends, start working together on common goals, building gardens, going shooting at the gun range, uh, pulling the kids out of public school, doing a homeschool cooperative, pooling your resources to buy tools that you can share amongst yourselves. That's your little inner cadre group of eight. You link up with other inner cadre groups in your area to form a group of eight people, uh, eight, eight, form eight groups of eight people. Now you have a middle cadre. This is maybe spread out through Southeast Travis County or whatever, for example, here in Central Texas. Then you link up with other middle cadre groups that are across the state, for example. You have a meta cadre group, eight groups of 64. How this all looks and plays out is less important than the fact that there's over 8,500 people that are getting together and working together to secure their sovereignty, to thrive, to decentralize the systems that they rely on. Right. Now, let me show you a little bit of thing about the website here. So I'm going to talk about decentralized systems of social governance. I want to talk about decentralized food production. And I'm going to talk about cryptocurrency, decentralized cryptocurrency. OK, look, Vivian right here says she has one in Central Texas. All right. The Freedom Cell Network is alive and well. Vivian, I definitely hope that you're going to be joining us on January 2nd at Indra's Warehouse. We're going to be having our third Central Texas Freedom Cell Meetup. The last one, there was like 45 people. It was super fun. Everyone was super stoked. And in the wake of that meeting, a lot of people got organized. We're doing a lot of cool stuff here in Central Texas. And it's taking place all across the freaking country. So let me show you what the Freedom Cell website is all about. Now, we've had some issues with the Freedom Cell website in the past. And believe me, uh, me and Derek bros get hounded with the little customer service stuff. And uh, oh, Vivian says... Uh, Vivian, if you are on the Freedom Cells website, I strongly, Viv, Viv, Vivian says Angels. What I said was Indra's a warehouse. It's this great meetings place. It's actually a church and there's no limitations on church in spite of all of the chicanery going on with all the, the orders and stuff. But Vivian, I invite you to register at freedomcells.org, freedomcells.org if you haven't yet. And there's an events tab. You'll be able to see all the details of the event there at freedomcells.org, or you're on Facebook, you're tuned in from Facebook, you can also go to Freedom Cells, the webpage, and there's an event there as well. But let me show you guys around this website here because it's really super freaking cool. We just had some updates. I wanna shout out Ramiro, who said he was gonna be listening to me while he jogs. So shout out Ramiro, he just updated the back end of the site. And man, we have our own alternative social media site essentially. Although Derek and I always encourage people not to use it as a social media site, more importantly, to use it as a, a networking, a networking place where you then go meet up in real life. So check it out. You have your activity feed, which is kind of like your Facebook news feed. You can post things, you can post news, you can ask questions. These are all the other people that are getting active and involved. Southwest Missouri Freedom Cell. We also use Telegram quite a bit. You can join different cells, whether it's a regional cell, whether it's a cell about prepping or firearms or cryptocurrency. There's a Texas Freedom Cell, Central Texas Freedom Cell, Barter Trade Network, Austin Voluntarius, Dallas Freedom Cell. Super cool stuff here. You can have events. You can post events where you can go to. This is one of the events that I'm hosting here. Texas Freedom Cell Network Meetup, Central Texas Edition. 
You can link up with people in your area. There's a member map, which is really popular feature. So if you're someone that's like, man, I, I wish there were more people in my area that were in these kind of things. I feel like I'm all alone. You can put your address in and go to this member map here. And through the member map, you will be able to find people in your area. Looks like we're having a little malfunction here. Uh, Ramiro, the member stuff isn't popping up. It's a constant work in progress. And, you know, we don't really have a big budget or anything. So we're doing our best. But uh, usually you can go to the member map. You can check in and see people that are there in your area. So we're building a decentralized means of social organization that we invite you to be a part of. It's grown to over 8,500 people. And in fact, we have a goal of having over 10,000 people by the end of the year. So we're running out of time. We got about eight days. If you're part of the Freedom Cell Network and you're listening to this, we just added a function where you can invite people directly to the site, popping in their email address. If you're not part of the Freedom Cell Network and you're watching this, I'm telling you, folks, we are literally creating a network of like-minded people that aren't just going to be sharing articles and talking about the latest conspiracy theory. We are going to be working together to create a new type of social organization that is entirely decentralized and horizontal. Now, here's the beauty of the Freedom Cell structure, right? Because earlier I was saying there's you get together with eight people. We call that your inner cadre group. Then you link up with eight other inner cadre groups. So imagine each one of these for now, look, imagine each one of these fingers is an individual, right? And they're like, Hey, this is great. I love the freedom cell network. I've always been looking for something like this. I feel so lonely in my part of town. Everyone has Biden signs up in their front yard. And I just feel like I can't relate to anyone. Well, I don't have a Biden sign in the front of my yard. In fact, I have a garden in the front of my yard. Oh my God, you garden. I have one in my backyard. What's growing well for you? Well, I just saved up a bunch of seeds from last season. I'd love to share some for you. We should do a meetup and get together with our inner cadre group. That sounds swell. Yeah, let's do it. Let's meet next week. So there's your inner cadre group, eight people. All right. Then you take these eight people and you're like, hey, things have been going really well for us. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm just so much more independent and free than ever before. Not to mention I was so disillusioned and, and just so down and out on my life. Whenever I found you guys, I had a new renewed hope for life in general. I've been so much sweeter to my kids and my grandchildren are coming to visit me more. Life is so good. We should tell other people about our inner cadre group and how much benefit we've gotten from it. Yeah, let's do it. You take your inner cadre group, you go and you find other people and you encourage them to form other inner cadre groups. Now take these same eight fingers <laughs> for the video audience and imagine that each one of these eight fingers represents eight people. So now we have a middle cadre group of 64, right? And maybe these are spread throughout the city or throughout the region. Now you keep growing it. Things are growing. Events are happening. There's more uh, visualization of the group. The group is more prominent and there's other groups that start joining. Before you know it, you have eight groups of 64, which is like 512 people, I think, something like that. And that that's what we call a meta cadre. Now, here's the beauty of this structure. Whenever you have a centralized system and it grows, right, like as more people are born into this tax plantation known as the United States of America, that means that there's more tax revenue for the central government to leech off of all its people. Right. There's this thing, Stefan Molyneux, love him or hate him. He went all like hardcore right wing and um, kind of xenophobic and a little bit racist, I think. Like he went all on the Trump train and alt right kind of stuff, which I never really vibed with. But he did do a lot of good work. I'm sure he still does do some good work. But he talked about how the relative economic freedom 
that was allowed in the geographic area known as the United States of America created an environment where when you couple that relative economic freedom with an ag aggressive tax regime and the progressive income tax, it actually allows for the central government to become super duper, 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 duper bountiful and expand their agenda and their program really well because there is so much economic freedom, which allows for more prosperity and wealth, which at the same time is usurped and stolen and leached away by the parasitic class, the predator parasitic class in government. And that creates an environment where they can fund foreign wars of aggression on multiple fronts, where they can create this massive military empire where they can have bases all over where they can fund the military to be in Japan and Germany and all these other places. Right. And so that's not good. And as that system grows, it becomes more powerful and more centralized. Well, the beauty of this freedom cell structure is that it's decentralized It's decentralized nature creates an environment where as the network scales, now it's 8,500 people as it scales, it scales horizontally. So before you had your group of eight in one area, then you went and recruited other people. Now you have 64 people in one area. Now you have 512 people in one area. It just changes what the nature of the group is in your area. I need to, to be able to explain this part better. So imagine you have 64 people in Austin, for example, and they're all participating. Well, the things start clamping down. They start trying to do mandatory vaccines and there's a pushback and they're like, we don't want to do this. So the network swells and there's more and more people. So now you have 500 plus people, right? So it doesn't, now all of a sudden we don't like add bureaucracy or start electing people and controlling people. We just decentralize the group. So before when you had a middle cadre of 64 people, right? Now you have 500 people. Well, you just have multiple different middle cadres of 64 people. And everyone still works together, right? So the cool thing is you can grow and scale and still have your little individual inner cadre groups where you do most of your stuff or your middle cadre groups that's in your little section of town or whatever. And it grows and scales and you can still be a part of the larger network without being subservient or subjected or without there being some element of hierarchy. This is why I think this Freedom Cell organizational structure is innovative and it's super cool to see it really come into fruition in some amazing ways. So again, I invite you to go to freedomcells.org, freedomcells.org. Really cool website, lots of good stuff going on, not just a website, a super cool network. Yeah, super duper duper cool. Let me know if anybody managed to snag that BCH. I sent out a link here to the YouTube and Facebook audience. I also dropped one on DLive. If you're watching on DLive, did you get the BCH? Because I'm going to go back and clean up if nobody gets that $5 worth of Bitcoin cash. You can bet I'll be sweeping it on my own wallet. All right, so let's talk about food. One of the reasons why everyone freaks out and is all worried and concerned about food and famine, right? And even the United Nations is saying because of, they always say because of COVID-19, because of COVID-19, there's going to be an increase in starvation and, and famine and, and, and kids are going to be lacking nutrients in third world countries and all sorts of stuff. But it's not because of COVID-19. It's because of the government's response to COVID-19. It's because of the lockdown specifically why there's so many people that are in debt, that are struggling, that are living in poverty that weren't before. There's already tons of people in poverty. Now there's even more, right? The, the, the ranks of impoverished are swelling. And one of the problems is that food production systems are highly centralized and they're not resilient, right? There's this 
complicated supply chain, a global supply chain, even right. I'm all I'm all for global markets and global trade and free markets and all sorts of stuff. But what we like the free trade stuff and all these free trade agreements like NAFTA and and the climate accord and all this bullshit isn't isn't freedom. It's not free markets, right? And so because these systems are centralized, they're vulnerable, right? So the moment that COVID takes place and all of these governments say, we're going to shut down travel from China, we're going to shut down travel to Great Britain and the EU, that really disrupts the supply chain. And if you've been in construction, or if you're building onto your house, or if you're like me and you're going to build a raised bed garden bed on the side of the house and you're going to Home Depot for the lumber, the prices went up immensely and the prices for all sorts of stuff went up immensely because everything is so interdependent, right? And again, there, I don't have a problem per se with globalization, the financial strain. Obviously, I have a problem with global governance, right? And centralized authority. But with trade and economies and maybe resources from over here coming over there. And, you know, that's that that can be a beautiful thing. That can be a free market, spontaneous order, beautiful thing, right? But perhaps it's not the best way to go about doing things, right? Now, when we have complex machines like this mixer or this microphone or this monitor or this camera that I'm using, then perhaps we need natural resources from this side of the planet to that side of the planet. Perhaps there's economies of scale where they can be built better over there than over here, more affordable, so on and so forth. If it weren't for governments perverting and destroying that whole beauty of like eye pencil, like Leonard Reed wrote, right? The eye pencil and all these pieces come together and all these different disparate pieces come together in this spontaneous way to, to create something beautiful. Like Jeffrey Tucker always says, it's just a, a beautiful thing how freedom works really when nobody, there's no central authority that's dictating how these things should come together but because of rational self-interest and markets and profit incentive. We have all these beautiful things coming together to create these magical widgets and pencils it's a very beautiful thing, which I agree, but it's not resilient. Okay. So you have centralized food production. You got a giant ship or planes that are shipping in food that's grown in China. And then it's got to go to this, the distribution center in freaking New Jersey and it gets busted up and sent over here and packed over there. And then the, the plastic bag that it gets stored in is made in Mexico and that gets shipped in over here. And then the petroleum that's being used is from the Middle East and OPEC and that's being shipped in over here. And then they start on the roads and even the roads that are being built have pieces of metal that's from all over the world that gets put into it. And whenever you have calamity, chaos, problems, emergencies, like we have with this COVID-19 thing, Really, it brings to the forefront the vulnerability of these systems. And food is a big, scary one. And as we saw with the advent of the lockdowns, when everyone did a mad rush and what they grab is toilet paper of all things, they're not stocking up. I mean, there are the, the smart people are stocking up on ammo, right? But people have got to stock up on toilet paper. They're not shoring up gold to protect their assets or cryptocurrency or firearms or maybe now's that time we finally start that garden, honey. No, they're buying freaking toilet paper. As we see, a lot of people are in this ignorance is bliss kind of place. And when the bliss goes away, they're just left there ignorant and screwed, essentially. And so the food production systems, the over-reliance on supermarkets and grocery stores, which I myself am guilty of as well, right? Like I got a decent little garden going on the side of my house, but I live in a tiny home community and it's zero scape. So everything that I do has to be in containers. It's not what I would like to do, which would just be to till the soil and do some row crops or build some hugel culture gardens. 
I am saving up right now to buy acreage with my lovely girlfriend for us, my two kiddos, and try to do an intentional community. So I have that on the trajectory, but I could be definitely a lot more resilient when it comes to food. Thankfully, the tiny home community that we live on is attached to a fully functional organic farm. It's called an agrihood. So these are types of things that we ought to shift towards, right? When we're talking about our greater reset, we want to shift towards more reliance on decentralized food production systems like the local garden, the garden in your backyard, getting your meat from the cattle farm down the road. And that's what's super important. And that's what we need to be shifting towards today. Because when shit hits the fan, you are still able to feed your family because you got two dozen chickens in the backyard and you can slaughter one of them, make your chicken soup, make your bone broth, right? They're still pumping out eggs a great source of protein and food and calories. You got your carrots in the ground, your bell peppers, your tomatoes, so on and so forth. I've been banging on this for over 10, 15 years now. And there's been different periods in my life where I was more self-sufficient when it comes to food. And I'm looking forward to very much looking forward to getting much more back to that. But the point is you got to start somewhere. Okay. And we have this lofty ideal where like we want to be like Jack Spierko in the survival podcast and visited his badass workshop and his place there east of Fort Worth, west of Fort Worth. And it's absolutely amazing. He's got some really sophisticated food production systems and all sorts of aquaponics and stuff. And so it's like we have this goal that we want to strive towards where we're like 75 percent food self-sufficient. The other 25% we get from the local farmer's market, so on and so forth, right? We're not going to be able to get there overnight. The idea is we got to start. Do, 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 do. You start on that path. And just like planting a tree, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the next best time? Right now. So get started right now. Don't beat yourself up. Just go do it. Get your hands in the dirt. If you haven't gardened before, you might find that it's not the easiest thing to go from seed to fruit. I've still never been able to freaking harvest corn before. I just can't get it. I think some with the pollination, I don't know. But the point is we need to decentralize these food systems. We can't be, oh, Michael Bolden's all tuning in. My boy, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. Speaking of decentralization, talked about the 10th Amendment earlier. Michael Bolden says single point of failure is dangerous in just about any system, tech, money, and government. That's right. We need to have redundancy. We need to be anti-fragile, right? Not like the racist stuff, like the anti-fragile stuff that everyone talks about these days. White fragility it is. I don't know. I don't even know. But we need to have decentralized, redundant systems in place because COVID has shown us that it's not like your crazy uncle at Christmas that's telling everyone to get prepared and to run for the hills. It's like upon us now. It's happening now. And there's no better time to get prepared than now. So the food production systems are extremely vulnerable, but there's active things that you can do in your life right now, planting a garden, beefing up your garden, getting some meat production if you're into meat, and building relationships with local farmers and local meat producers. So if shit does hit the fan, you're already locked in with your CSA agreement. You're already locked in with that relationship. You're providing value, shared value based on shared values. Another thing, barter too. Like if the dollar, if you're all dependent on dollars and then all of a sudden shit hits the fan, systems go down, that farmer is going to be one hell of a valuable resource. And they may not be desiring your dollars at the moment because they have so many people that are like, wow, the grocery store hasn't been open in two weeks. We're all looking at Farmer Joe down the road. And Farmer Joe's like, I can't possibly meet the food needs of all of these people. Where the hell were you supporting my farm for the past two years when we've been struggling? Have some sort of value that you can add to them. Go volunteer. 
Go help them with technology. Go help them get set up to film this, get a YouTube channel, whatever. Provide value so that when shit hits the fan, you can move to the front of the line and get support and get help from them. So that's when it comes to food. All right, I'm going to spend the rest of the time talking about cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency, and I do want to do a quick plug. Uh, if you are interested in learning more about cryptocurrency, if you're what they call a noob to cryptocurrency, if you see the price just skyrocketing, you got dollar signs in your eyes, little Satoshis in your eyes, and you want to learn about it, I invite you to do a one-on-one -on -one crypto consultation with yours truly. You can go to sovbtc.com. That's sovbtc.com. S-O-V-B-T-C stands for Sovereign BTC. And you can book a time to do consultation. You can see there's a little bit of time this holidays, then it opens up quite a bit. And I would love to sit down and hold your hand, step you through setting up cryptocurrency, all of that good stuff. Again, that's sovbtc.com. Old Michael Bolden, thanks for the shout out, John. Really appreciate what you're doing here. Love you, Michael Bolden. I'd, I'd love to have you on for an interview to catch up on what you guys are doing. You guys are, you've, you just kept at it, Bolden. And I really like the, the high quality production work that you've been doing lately. Miss you, old pal. Gary Campbell says, looking to set up Freedom Cell in London, England. Where can I get more information? Well, Gary, the first thing to do would be to go to freedomcells.org, register on the site, get yourself in the back end, and you'll find that there already are some Freedom Cell groups in London, in England. In fact, there's quite a few Freedom Cell participants in uh, the area as well. So go to freedomcells.org. You'll be able to learn all sorts about it, and uh, you can get tuned into the network there. I'm looking up London right now. Let me see if that even works. So yeah, freedomcells.org. There's also Telegram groups, East Bay Enlightenment Group, London Freedom Cell Meetup. There's there's a meetup happening, which is pretty cool. Oh, November 28th. A meetup already happened, but there's meetups that are taking place. So um, go to freedomcells.org. There's different groups. Get tapped in. Go to the cells tab and go to Telegram cells. I want to show you this. I want to show everyone this. If you guys want to link into new people, if you want to get involved with people in your community, sign up on the freedomcells.org website, go to cells, and then click on Telegram cells. Okay, Telegram cells. We use Telegram as one of our primary chat groups. These are a bunch of different groups here in the U.S. There's groups in Mexico, in Europe, Australia, India, all sorts of stuff. So you can get tapped in. You can communicate. You can ask questions there. There will be people that will help you. There will be people that will help you to get tapped in. So... Again, freedomcells.org, and then join the Telegram groups as well. All right, cryptocurrency. I've been wanting to do a whole episode on how cryptocurrency, how blockchain technology specifically is actually being utilized by the World Economic Forum, by the Great Reset, by the New World Order types, right? So we activists and we free people, we see blockchain and cryptocurrency, and we think decentralization. We think power and control over our own money and information, right? And I believe that's what Satoshi Nakamoto, he, she, they, or them, whoever the pseudonym was, whoever it was that created Bitcoin, I believe that that was their vision as well. But since then, central banks, oligarchs, puppeteers, social engineers, they have their eyes on blockchain technology as well. And part of the program for the fourth industrial revolution is to leverage blockchain-based identities in order to allow for commerce, in order to allow for geofencing, in order to allow access to public transportation, okay? 
So there's a paradox here because cryptocurrency and blockchain technology can at the same time be liberating and enslaving. Okay, so what is cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency is using cryptography and using blockchains in order to allow for private currency, in order to allow for the ownership and security of your money. That's essentially cryptocurrency, right? Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. There's a Bitcoin blockchain. And then there's the Bitcoin token, which essentially is the currency that's used on the blockchain. A lot of cryptocurrency, the innovation was in this blockchain technology and this distributed proof of work system that allows for a decentralized verification of transactions that take place on the network. A blockchain is a decentralized distributed public ledger. All throughout history, money has relied on a public ledger. Usually it was a bank that held a public ledger. You brought your gold to the bank. They put your gold on reserve. They gave you these little dollar paper notes in order to go about and trade with one another. But they started getting sneaky and they started churning out more dollar notes than they had gold, right? And then fast forward a couple hundred years or maybe a thousand years and we have what's called, this is the advent of fractional reserve banking. Many people don't know when you have a thousand dollars in your savings account at the bank, the bank doesn't just loan out $1,000 and they pay you for the privilege of using your money and you get a little bit of interest, right? No, they actually loan out like $900. They loan out $1,900, I should say, fractional reserve banking. I think it's a 10 to one ratio. So if you have a million dollars in the bank, that means the bank can now create $1.9 million worth of new money, $1,900,000 worth of new money. This leads to inflation, all sorts of problems. The point is we can't trust centralized institutions or third parties to manage a public ledger and to do so honestly. So what a blockchain is, is a decentralized distributed public ledger that everyone that's on the network agrees on it being the most valid and truthful thing. This is one of the big innovations of Satoshi Nakamoto's Bitcoin, this blockchain technology, right? Now, early on in cryptocurrency, everyone thought that blockchain was anonymous and we can go to Silk Road and buy drugs on the Silk Road and we're going to be just fine. Well, the FBI and the NSA apparently was involved in Ross Ulbricht's trial. They quickly discovered that you can, you can uh, do forensic analysis on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? But nonetheless... This cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, still gives people a whole lot of power and autonomy over their money. If you play your cards right, you could do it right, where you can acquire Bitcoin and you could do so in a pseudonymous way, where even though the cryptocurrency, the Bitcoin that you own is transparent on the blockchain, your identity is not tied to the public address associated with that Bitcoin, right? So that gives people a lot of freedom, a lot of decentralization before you had to rely on a centralized third party like a bank or a central bank or a government in order to engage in commerce globally, right? If you want to send money to your friend in Japan, it's kind of complicated if you want to send them like $500 or $1,000, right? If you like use Venmo, there's going to be problems because you're going across borders and different currencies and such. If you want to wire transfer the money, the bank's going to know about it. The government's going to know about it. If you're going to do more than $10,000, they're going to report it to the IRS. It's going to cost $20 for the wire transfer fee. It's going to take a few days to clear through all this stuff. Well, the beauty of cryptocurrency, decentralized, you can take $100,000, a million dollars, send it from the U.S., your public address, you send it over to someone else's address in Japan, and the government can be none the wiser if you play your cards right and do it properly. Now, there's other cryptocurrencies. This is a beautiful thing. 
This decentralized cryptocurrency gives people a lot of control and freedom, economic freedom. There's other cryptocurrencies like Monero, XMR, or Zcash, which created this new type of privacy technology with the blockchain. It's not transparent. It's all disguised who sends and who receives, how much, when, and where. There's a new one called Pirate Chain, which I'm getting into. In fact, I just started accepting Pirate Chain over at mybravebotanicals.com. Mybravebotanicals.com. You can pay with Pirate Chain. Uh, it's also called R Matey. Scrub the poop deck while you're at it. Buy some Kratom and Delta 8 THC over at mybravebotanicals.com. You can get 20% off for a limited time. R Matey. That's Pirate Chain. And so these coins are very, very special. Right. There's some folks that I've butted heads with that are also researching the Great Reset. And I believe because they don't fully understand blockchain and cryptocurrency technology, they don't understand the fact that it can also be liberating. It can also protect your privacy. Right. Again, there's that paradox because Great Reset, World Economic Forum, New World or 2.0, they want to create these blockchain based identities. Right. But at the same time, blockchain is actually the tool that can help people whenever that situation comes about. So everyone's familiar with the mark of the beast, right? I think it's from Genesis or from Revelations. The mark of the beast, it's like, you're going to have this mark. It's going to be the number 666. And the authorities are going to be able to shut off your ability to do commerce and trade. And that was in the Bible. This is all coming to fruition now. And a centralized blockchain, so you can have a decentralized blockchain. No one owns it. No one controls it but kind of everyone owns it and everyone controls it, right? That's paradoxical in itself. That's a decentralized blockchain like Bitcoin, like Monero. The power is distributed throughout people that are hosting nodes, throughout people that are mining the computers. I will say with Bitcoin though, to be perfectly honest, much of the mining power and computing power is in China. However, there's people that I used to run a Bitcoin mine down in San Marcos, right? So I had my own little mine, this big utility closet, freaking crazy experiment. It was really fun and cool for like a year. And then the price dropped and I was like, oh, shoot. But um, it, nobody owns it. There isn't a central company, right? Then you can have centralized blockchains like Ripple, like XRP, I should say. Now, here's one of the problems with a centralized blockchain. That's a great example. XRP recently announced that the Securities and Exchange Commission is going to sue them because they believe that Ripple, which is the name of the network and the technology, XRP is one of the most highest market cap cryptocurrencies. That might be changing, actually. Coinmarketcap.com. That's where I go to get a lot of crypto news. Another one's CoinGecko as well. So you can see XRP is right here. It's the fourth highest market cap cryptocurrency, $19 billion. Oh, I'm sorry. Four, where the hell's the market cap? There it is, $12 billion. Bitcoin has a $435 billion market cap, which is greater than that of PayPal and greater than many, many banks. But XRP is the token that's traded on the Ripple network. What Ripple aims to do essentially is replace like the SWIFT network and all of these different financial networks that link together ATMs and banks and financial institutions, right? Well, they created this XRP token and they actually create them however much they want. It's inflationary, unlike Bitcoin, where there's a finite supply, 21 million Bitcoin will only be created. And there's already over 18 million, 500 them that are created. It's estimated that 4 million of them are lost and inaccessible. So it's a very tight, finite supply, which is why we see such explosive price action, because everyone sees that it's going to be a hedge of protection against inflation, against all this dollar chicanery and craziness. 
Well, anyway, Ripple is now coming under fire because they are being accused of creating a security because it's a private company. And whenever you have XRP, they say that you have a security interest in that company. Well, here's the thing. The freaking coin is crashing as far as the price goes, right? So you can value it in dollars. It's 27 cents. Look at the, the price. Woo, whoopsie. Now, mind you, there's other cryptocurrencies that are kind of crashing at the same rate, but you can also value it in Bitcoin. Where do I do that? Oh, fooey. Let's just go to XRP. It's crashing in relation to Bitcoin as well. 11.58. Wow, this was just 2,000 Satoshis not too long ago. It's already lost almost half of its Bitcoin value. Not good, not good. And the thing is, look at that. With Ripple, there's a company, a centralized company that can be sued. You see, with Bitcoin, there is no company that can be sued. In fact, there's not even an individual actor that can be named who created it. No wonder they got the heck out of there. And they're like, wow, this is getting really big. The CIA wants to learn more about it. Gavin Andreessen's going to meet with the CIA. I'm going to dip. That's what Satoshi Nakamoto did. So that's the beauty of decentralization. There's no pressure point to lean on, which the government does. They coerce, they threaten, they put in jail, they take property, they lock up in a cage. With cryptocurrency, with most cryptocurrencies, there's no central authority, there's no board of directors, there's no company that can be leaned on, and that's a very beautiful thing. So we see that the decentralized cryptocurrencies are more resilient and anti-fragile compared to the centralized cryptocurrencies, just like a decentralized food production system is more resilient, anti-fragile, uh, more points of failure. Than a decentralized, than a centralized food production system like relying on the grocery store importing processed food from China, right? Another example when it comes to cryptocurrency, there's like a microcosm where decentralization is better than centralization in all these different areas. And then in general, decentralization is better than centralization. But here's another example with exchanges, right? You have cryptocurrency exchanges like Coinbase, they call their GDEX, or you have Binance or Kraken or Mt. Gox which was a cryptocurrency exchange early on that was responsible for driving up the price to over $1,000. Turns out it was kind of like a Ponzi scheme. They didn't have enough Bitcoin to fulfill the cash orders that they were taking. It crashed. As a result of that, the price of Bitcoin crashed as well. And all these foolish reporters and commentators said, Bitcoin's dead, Bitcoin's dead, but Bitcoin survived. Mt. Gox did not. But there's something now called a decentralized exchange or a DEX which is a technology, a piece of software that's created where buyers and sellers, bids and asks can link up with one another without the need for a central company that can be leaned on or that can require know your customer checks in order to get your hands on some cryptocurrency. The Bank Secrecy Act from the Department of Treasury requires that if you're going to be a money service business, if you're going to transmit money as a business, if you're going to exchange money for different people as a business, if you're going to take money here and send it over there as a business, then you you're required to do a know your customer check where they scan a driver's license, they cross-reference their name and their identity with a terror database, right? Well, in a decentralized exchange, there's no company to be required that that's required of. There's no criminal penalty or civil penalty if you don't do it because it's decentralized. There's no company running it. And that's a very beautiful thing. So cryptocurrency in a microcosm, we can see that decentralization is more important, is better than centralization. Another example of decentralization is whenever you control your own private keys, 
for every public address, there's a private key that corresponds with it, right? And the public address is like your front facing account number. If I wanted you to send me Bitcoin, I would give you my public address. You would send me Bitcoin. Whoever has that private key, it's a key that unlocks access to the cryptocurrency associated with that public address. So if I wanted to send cryptocurrency to someone else, then I use my private key to sign the transaction. The private key says, yep, you're the rightful owner of this crypto. Gets sent away. That's a decentralized way. I'm in control. It's decentralized all the way to the individual address and private key combination. No one else has control over it. Well, these centralized companies like Coinbase or Mt. Gox, a centralized exchange, you store your crypto on that. They have access to your private key. They become corrupt thieves or they get leaned on by the government or they just go under and you don't have access to that cryptocurrency. Through decentralization, we're given more control and autonomy. We're given more control over our lives. It's a very, very beautiful thing. So cryptocurrency, it's simultaneously liberating and enslaving blockchain technology. The powers that be, the same tax-exempt foundations, the same big players, the same Klaus Schwab's that are pushing for greater centralization, they also are utilizing blockchain technology in order to bring that about. They're having centralized blockchains. They want to create an environment where at birth, someone is assigned a blockchain identity that can essentially be a public address. And as you grow up, they can send tokens to that public address. These tokens, so instead of having a vaccination card or some medical records that get sent through computers and stuff, they wanna have that information is stored on a blockchain. So you're born, you're given your blockchain identity, you get your immunizations, which I'm not recommending, but many people do, you get your immunizations, they send a token to that address, a medical token. Oh, we have these immunizations. That's what the token says, right? Uh, there's information, digital information that rides on the back of a crypto transaction. Bloop, you have your immunization, even in adults, right? Oh. You have your COVID vaccine, bloop, let's send them the token. Then you go to the airport, they scan your little RFID chip implanted in your skin or your little pass or your thumbprint identification or your iris scan or your facial recognition. And they see that, oh, this face is tied to this public address and this public address has the vaccine immunity passport token tied to it. So we can let them proceed. Or you're in the city, the inner city, and you're about to get on the public transportation. Before you get on public transportation, you got to let scan your face. And the scan of the face is tied to the public identity. And then that blockchain identity has a token saying that you're allowed to leave the city, for example. This is what they're trying to do. Now, back to the mark of the beast. If they have a centralized blockchain and all the commerce is, is used through that blockchain, then they can shut it off. They can shut you down. But again, the paradox and the beauty is that it's simultaneously the cryptocurrency decentralized blockchain technology that can liberate us to where we can use pirate chain, we can use Monero, we can use Zcash, we can use new cryptocurrencies that haven't even been invented, and we can continue to conduct trade and business. We can use decentralized mesh networks. When they start taking our stuff down, we can use IFPS, this file sharing protocol. We can use DWeb, which is something that we want to feature in our greater reset event as well. Right. So I want everyone to remain hopeful because we do create our own reality. I very strongly believe that. And it's not just some hairy fairy, new age hippie type of deal. It's something that I've utilized masterfully in my life in order to create immense benefit, increase my standard of living, increase the quality of relationships that I have with other human beings. Because I know 
that my thoughts and my perception creates my reality. So I invite you, my friends, to focus on the decentralization and the opportunities that we all have in order to create a better world and focus much less on the powers that be, the powers that wish they were, the predator class, and all the nasty, nasty things that they have in store. Because they are not omnipotent, all-powerful. They're not omniscient, all-knowing. And they're not omnipresent, all, all over. They're not. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, your cryptocurrency is going to be controlled by them, blah, blah, blah. And they think that these New World Order types are just totally powerful and totally in all control. We might as well just give up and lay down. No, nope, that's not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. It's up to each and every one of us to take control of our lives and not just take control of our lives and stop there. Right, like, don't tread on me. We need to have a situation like don't tread on anyone. Okay, we need to help one another. We need to help lift up our communities. We need to get involved in decentralized means of social organization like the Freedom Cell Network. We need to grow our own food. We need to have our own plant-based medicine. We need to have our own network of naturopaths, holistic practitioners, and freaking voodoo doctors, if that's your thing, right? We need to have access and learn how to use decentralized blockchain technology so we can protect our information. Another great example, I didn't even get into this one. Here we have a centralized social media platform that I'm watching you on, YouTube. Perhaps you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, right? Derek Bros's Conscious Resistance channel got totally taken down. Millions and millions of views, thousands of videos just wiped away, whoosh, right? Well, we have decentralized platforms like BitChute and Library. I should say, if someone's watching this after the fact on BitChute, there's something nasty going on with a lot of the commenters on BitChute. They're like all haters. It's always about the Jewish conspiracy and all sorts of stuff. And they're like skeptical of me, this guy. And people are like, oh, this guy's, he says a lot of good stuff, but his last name's Bush. I don't know if I can trust him because he has a last name Bush. Oh man, let's go ahead and throw the baby out with the bathwater because his last name's Bush. Nah, come on, man. Get a freaking clue. I just want to say that about BitChute. But again, we have centralization, big tech, censorship, right? And then we have decentralization, immutable blockchains cannot be taken away, can't be censored. And that's the promise of the future, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank everyone for participating in the comments. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for watching on Facebook. And especially big thanks to those of you that are watching on DLive and those of you that are watching on Float as well. Float.app, another decentralized platform that's all about cryptocurrency and all sorts of great stuff. Let me go ahead and throw out another $5 worth of BCH. Again, folks, if you collected the BCH, I know that it works. So if you collected the BCH, then I invite you to let me know about it so I can keep doing these. I'm dropping the link right now for the Facebook audience. If you're watching on the Conscious Resistance, if you're watching on my personal page, if you're watching on Agorism, Freedom Cells, if you're watching on my YouTube channel, I'm dropping it right now. Ready? Bloop. There it is. That's it. All you got to do is go click on that link and then scan and sweep the wallet. Let me see. Let me see if I can show you what happens. All right. So you go. On, you got to have a Bitcoin Cash wallet. Bitcoin Cash, shout out Roger Ver, shout out Bitcoin.com. You go to Bitcoin.com and get a Bitcoin Cash wallet. So here's what you do. Oh, there's the QR code. Well, I'm sharing it with everybody. So you can claim $5 worth of Bitcoin Cash. You sweep that private key. You import that private key. You scan that private key. 
and most Bitcoin wallets will do so. Most Bitcoin cash wallets. Again, I just threw out $5 worth of Bitcoin cash. If you want to learn more about cryptocurrency, I invite you to go to SovBTC.com, SovBTC.com. Again, you can do a one-hour consultation with yours truly. I'll get you all hooked up safely in security. And remind you again, shout out to our sponsor, MyBraveBotanicals.com. We now offer Delta 8 THC flower. It's good stuff. It feels great. You'll definitely be able to feel it, unlike CBD, which some people don't feel. Although if you're in a lot of pain, you feel the CBD and it helps a lot. Delta 8 THC flower, Delta 8 THC vapes, vape pens. I can ship this to 39 states in the continental U.S. And Delta 8 THC gummies, all good things. 20% off if you pay with cryptocurrency. Again, that's mybraybotanicals.com. All right, thank you. I want to remind everyone to subscribe on the YouTube channel. Hit that little subscribe button. If you haven't yet found me on Library, you can go to Library and search Live Free Now, John Bush. Remember, here's the message I wanted to convey today. There are some really shady people like Klaus Schwab that are working together to create a central totalitarian government. And they want to use technology in order to track, trace, and surveil almost every single activity of not only human beings, but all sorts of biodiversity. These people are powerful. They're freaking loaded oligarchs, billionaires. They are, you know, they're kind of ahead of the game when it comes to their agenda, right? And they want to centralize control over all life on this planet. They say that they're doing it for the environment. They have their sustainable development goals and Agenda 2030, Agenda 21. Right. Say they're doing it to eliminate poverty and for global health. But that's all a bunch of bullshit. They're not good people. They have a history of deceit and destruction and murder and pillage and control. I think they're like psychopathic megalomaniacs that want to control things. And they like have so much control over their money and their wealth. And they just can't. They'll stop at nothing till they'll never be satisfied. OK. So that's what's happening right now. And centralization is their means to the end of control. On the flip side, we, the people, the little guys with big hearts and big ideas, we are just as powerful, if not more powerful, because we have light, love, freedom, beauty, and peace on our sides. And if we realize, and if we finally step into our true power as human beings, each and every one of you that's watching this right now, you are so fucking powerful and you haven't even realized it yet. You haven't even begun to realize it. And the more little victories you have, and the more gardens you plant, and the more meetings you attend, and the more hugs you have with other people, and the more successes, and the more brotherhoods, and the more supporting the guy that opened up his business in defiance of lockdown, singing Kumbaya with a human chain wrapped around his front door so the police can't break in and lock him down. The more of that that happens, the more you realize that you really are a force for change in this world. And I would like to present decentralization as a fighting creed for the free people of this earth. Decentralize all the things, the food production systems, the defense, don't rely on the municipal police. Rely on your local neighborhood watch group. Get yourself a firearm. Learn how to use it safely and proficiently. Decentralize money. Decentralize information. Decentralize social interactions online. Decentralize all the things. Decentralize the institutions of social organization away from centralized, coercive, monopolistic, hierarchical states and towards a decentralized, beautiful, harmonious, spontaneous order like the Freedom Cell Network or whatever the hell you got going on in your neck of the woods. 
Together, we can do beautiful things. And I invite you to do them with me. And I would love to get to know you. And I want to thank you for tuning into this show. All right, this is John Bush, Live Free Now. Peace and freedom. I'm out. Thank you so much. Subscribe at livefreenow.show. I'm out. Thanks. Bye.